Before we begin, I do have a few prayer requests. The first is for my mother, Elaine. I've been mentioning her the past few episodes. She is still very much in need of our prayer. She goes this coming Monday, which will be tomorrow, for nuclear stress test to see what's going on with her heart and why her blood pressure is so low. And of course, as you could only imagine, she is quite nervous about this procedure. She's had it done before, but um, she's not in the best of health. And, uh, you know, to me, it's just baffling that somebody would put somebody through that kind of rigorous testing um, when, you know, there's other options like an echocardiogram or something of that nature. Anyway, Elaine is very much in need of our prayers, and her husband, Bob, is also still in need of our prayers. Bob was able to get, after much struggle and time, an appointment with an oncologist for this coming Wednesday to find out, uh, to go over his MRI, uh, because they had found multiple issues. Um, I've noted this in previous uh, prayer requests, so go back for details on that, but, um, you know, he, he has to go through more testing and meet with an oncologist to find out what the results are from the MRI and find out if he does have cancer or what's going on or, you know, anything and everything. So he's definitely in need of our prayers and practices. Also, Megan, Molly, and Gwen are still in need of our prayers. They are still very much trying so very hard to uh, find a safe place to live and to get their lives back on track into some type of normalcy, whatever <laughs> whatever one defines that to be. Also, general prayers, please, for health and well-being for Emma and also for Jean. That would be so much appreciated. Thank you all so much and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe that the divine works through people to help us every day. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Hello, my name is Angel and I'll be your host as we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. Hello and welcome to your oasis in the desert, a place where you can catch your breath, recharge, and heal. If you're new to the show, thank you very much for finding us. It is my deepest hope and prayer that you find everything you're looking for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast here and more. And if you're returning, infinite thanks, blessings, and love for all of your support. So this week, we're going to learn a little bit about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And those of you who listened to the episode last week with Father Mike, if you haven't, oh my goodness, go check that out. It was such an amazing, multi-layered, beautiful, yummy, sugary treat of wisdom and light. Um, and several times in the podcast, uh, Father Mike uh, Cantor talked about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Or I shouldn't say talked about him, but he, he quoted him several times. So, um, you know, I was speaking with Father Mike and he brought it to my attention, hey, you might want to, you know, do a show on uh, Bonhoeffer. And of course, hey. You know, definitely. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 
So Dietrich Bonhoeffer is, because I always refer to these beings in the present tense, because to me, though they may not be in their physical form anymore, um, as we relate to them, um, they are still very much alive and still very much existent. And you know, we have to remember that energy cannot be destroyed, that it just continues on in a different form, you know, after the other, after the other. Um, and the same applies to these great beings, these angels and saints that we talk about so much here on the show, which is, you know, the core of this show. Uh, so Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, is a, a priest and theologian. He's a mystic um, and a pastor uh, of the Lutheran faith. He was born on February 4th. 1906 in Poland. Interesting because my son was born on February 7th. Not 1906. <laughs> At least not this time around. And unfortunately, he was uh, killed on April 9th, 1945 in uh, Flossenburg concentration camp, which is in Germany. And again, odd. I was, my birthday's April 6th. Of course, no correlation there. Uh, but um, still, just whatever. I'm just rambling. Ignore me. <laughs> I'll go away. Well, maybe I won't. But anyway, um, the article that I'm reading from or going to be reading from is from Christianity Today. And I, of course, as always, I will have links in the show notes and show description uh, for anyone that wants to go check these out and read them over again or more thoroughly. Um, this article begins with uh, two quotations Make that one quotation. It's pretty vile. And of course, I'm giving a warning and disclaimer now. If you guys want to advance forward, maybe 20, 30 seconds, um, you won't hear it. But um, I was not going to include this quote. I was you know, going to omit it and let you all read it on the article itself if you were interested. But the I don't know if the divine, the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call that, which is um, is urging me to um, to go ahead and say this quote, because um, it is relevant to what is going on right now uh, with Russia and, and Ukraine. Um, those of you who aren't familiar with the Russian Orthodox Church, the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church is one thousand and ten percent behind uh, Putin and what is going on in the war with Ukraine and uh, the killing and massacre and just the incredible bombing and shelling and killing of innocent people. Um, and that's just completely mind blowing that anyone from any faith, especially the Orthodox Catholic faith, would be endorsing murder and killing and war in any way, shape or form. Um, but again, you know, the spirit is leading me to go ahead and, and, and use and say this quote uh, because it gives a framework for what Bonhoeffer was fighting against. Um, and so to take away from that would be to take away from his story. And I do not wish to do that. But please know, as I read this statement, it's not from me in any way, shape or form. Or does it go on my beliefs or the show or anything? It, actually, it's it, to the contrary, my beliefs and the show's beliefs. So it goes this way. This is from a pastor in Germany at the time. He said, the time is fulfilled for the German people of Hitler. It is because of Hitler that Christ, God, the helper and redeemer, has become effective among us. Hitler is the way of the spirit 
and the will of God for the German people to enter the Church of Christ. So spoke German pastor Hermann Gruner. Another pastor put it more succinctly, Christ has come to us through Adolf Hitler. It, now, that is just insane, literally insane. Um, but again, it is the framework behind what was going on in Germany at the time. Uh, this is exactly what's going on in Russia now uh, as this uh, podcast is recorded is there's so much disinformation and there's so much propaganda in, um, you know, leading, misleading people to believe reality is something other than what it is. Um, and I know that's already open to many interpretations. But the article continues. So despondent had been the German people after the defeat of World War I and the subsequent economic depression that the charismatic Hitler appeared to be the nation's answer to prayer, at least to most Germans. One exception was the theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was determined not only to refute this idea, but also to topple Hitler, even if it meant killing him. So the second paragraph there kind of puts a little bit of a frame around why or it kind of gives us a clue as to why um, any kind of religious re leaders uh, clergy would you know be behind Hitler in any way shape or form it was because of their defeat in World War One and their economic depression and all that that you know here people were banking on Hitler to you know as the new Christ or the second coming of Christ to bring their you know nation out of ruin and I don't know it's just I don't know I'll just pause on that there and leave that up to you guys we'll continue on with the article Bonhoeffer was not raised in a particularly radical environment he was born into an aristocratic family his mother was daughter of the preacher at the court of Kaiser Wilhelm II and his father was a prominent neurologist and professor of psychiatry at the University of Berlin all eight children were raised in a liberal, nominally religious environment and were encouraged to dabble in great literature and fine arts. Bonhoeffer's skill at the piano, in fact, led some of his family to believe he was headed for a career in music. When at age 14, Dietrich announced he intended to become a minister and theologian, the family was not pleased. Bonhoeffer graduated from the University of Berlin in 1927 at the age of 21, and he spent some months in Spain as an assistant pastor to a German congregation. Then it was back to Germany to write a dissertation, which would grant him the right to a university appointment. He then spent a year in America at New York's Union Theological Seminary before returning to the post of lecturer at the University of Berlin. During these years, Hitler rose in power, becoming Chancellor of Germany in January of 1933 and President a year and a half later. Hitler's anti-Semitic rhetoric and actions intensified, as did his opposition, which included the likes of theologian Karl Barth, Pastor Martin Niemöller, and the young Bonhoeffer. Together with other pastors and theologians, they organized the Confessing Church, which announced publicly in its Barman Declaration of 1934 
its allegiance first to Jesus Christ. They said, quote, we repudiate the false teaching that the church can and must recognize yet other happenings and powers, personalities and truth as divine revelation alongside this one, word of God, end of quote. In the meantime, Bonhoeffer had written The Cost of Discipleship in 1937, a call to more faithful and radical obedience to Christ and a severe rebuke of conformable Christianity. He said, quote, Cheap grace is preaching forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate, end quote. During this time, Bonhoeffer was teaching pastors in an underground cemetery Finkenwald in Finkenwald. The government had banned him from teaching openly. But after the seminary was discovered and closed, the confessing church became increasingly reluctant to speak out against Hitler and moral opposition proved increasingly ineffective. So Bonhoeffer began to change his strategy. To this point, he had been a pacifist and he had tried to oppose the Nazis through religious action and moral persuasion. Now he signed up for the German Secret Service to serve as a double agent while traveling to the church conferences over Europe. He was supposed to be collecting information about the places he visited, but he was instead trying to help Jews escape Nazi oppression. Bonhoeffer also became part of a plot to overthrow and later to assassinate Hitler. As his tactics were changing, he had gone to America to become a guest lecturer, but he couldn't shake a feeling of responsibility for his country. Within months of his arrival, he wrote theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, quote, I have made a mistake in coming to America. I must live through this difficult period and our national history with the Christian people of Germany. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people." End quote. Bonhoeffer, though privy to various plots on Hitler's life, was never at the center of the plans. Eventually, his resistance efforts, mainly his role in rescuing Jews, was discovered. On an April afternoon in 1943, two men arrived in a black Mercedes, put Bonhoeffer in the car, and drove him to Tegel Prison. So here we have, I mean, you can see kind of how Bonhoeffer was kind of conflicted where he wanted to do all that he could for his people and his country, and he did. But then there was a side of him that, of self-preservation, or wanting to live to see another day, so to speak. I shouldn't say self-preservation, but yeah. Wanting to live to see another day um, and to play it safe. So he went to America for some months, and as we see from the quote to his friend, um, it didn't sit well with him. He felt uh, very guilty and negligent that he wasn't in the thick of it, again, helping um, the people of his country. And as he said, that you know, there was no way that he could sit in America and wait for the war to end and then come back to Germany to try to help his people rebuild if he wasn't actively involved in the war and what was going on right now. Um, so, I mean, knowing, 
you know, it's almost like he knew without knowing that if he went back to Germany that he would not live to see the end of the war. So Bonhoeffer spent two years in prison, corresponding with family and friends, pastoring fellow prisoners, and reflecting on the meaning of Christ, Jesus Christ for today. As the months progressed, he began outlining a new theology, pinning enigmatic lines that had been inspired by his reflections on the nature of Christian action in history. God lets himself be pushed out of the world on to the cross, he wrote. He is weak and powerless in the world in that it's precisely the way, the only way, in which he is with us and helps us. The Bible makes quite clear that Christ helps us not by virtue of his omnipotence, but by virtue of his weakness and suffering. The Bible directs man to God's powerlessness and suffering. Only the suffering God can help. In another passage, Bonhoeffer said, to be a Christian does not mean to be religious in a particular way, to make something of oneself a sinner, a penitent, or a saint on the basis of some method or other, but to be a human, not to any type of human, but a human that Christ creates in us. It is not the religious act that makes the Christian, but participation in the sufferings of God in the secular life. That's pretty deep and heavy there for anyone that wants to play that back and unpack that. And again, I'll have a link to this article if you want to read it over and, and unpack it. There's a lot of meaning in, in what he just said there. Eventually, Bonhoeffer was transferred from Tegel to Butchenwald and then to the extermination camp at Flossenburg. On April 9th, 1945, one month before Germany surrendered, he was hanged with six other resistors. Oh, isn't that something? This one month, one month before the end of the war, um, you know, they took his life just and I mean, keeping him in prison for two years, if they would have just kept him for two years in one month. You know, that's that's the humanness, you know, trying to to look at this. But we have to look at it from the divine perspective is that um, and from the mystical perspective as we're exploring and learning, um, you know, what the divine wants and how the mystic operates is on a different wavelength completely than we do um, in our relative way of thinking and acting in the relative way of life, which is everyday, everyday thinking, everyday life. A decade later, a camp doctor who witnessed Bonhoeffer's hanging described the scene. He said, quote, the prisoners were taken from their cells and the verdicts of court martial read out to them. Because you have to remember Bonhoeffer was caught for treason because he signed up as a secret German officer and was supposed to get information for Hitler, but he was actually working as a double agent helping people escape uh, so they wouldn't be put into a concentration camp and killed like he was. It continues on by saying uh, they were taken from their cells and the verdicts of the court martial read out to them through the half open door in one room of the huts. I saw Pastor Bonhoeffer before taking off his prison garb kneeling on the floor, praying fervently to his God. I was most deeply moved by the way this lovable man prayed, so devout and so certain that God heard his prayer. At the place of execution, he 
He again said a prayer and then climbed the steps to the gallows, brave and composed. His death ensued in a few seconds. In the almost 50 years that I have worked as a doctor, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God." End quote. Bonhoeffer's prison correspondence was eventually edited and published as Letters and Papers from Prison, which inspired much controversy and the Death of God movement of the 1960s, though Bonhoeffer's close friend and chief biographer Eberhard Bethke said Bonhoeffer implied no such thing. His cost of discipleship as well as life together about Christian community based on his teaching and the underground seminary have remained devotional classics. So what the article is saying there is that from the book that was published from Bonhoeffer's Letters and Papers from Prison, um, some people or a movement in the 1960s mistook his, quote, death of God in those writings um, to be meaning forthright of exactly word for word what that says and what that means. They took it for face value. They didn't take it as a metaphor, which is what Bonhoeffer meant. Um, again, if you all are more interested in exactly what that was, check out the book Letters and Papers from Prison. I'll have a link to it uh, on Amazon in the show notes. Also, check out Cost of Discipleship, which is another one of his books, which is one of the most well-known books by Bonhoeffer, as well as another one called Life Together, talking about, again, the Christian community that he ran an underground seminary. Uh, again, I'll have links to these in the show notes and show description. So that is the article. And, you know, it is very short, um, but extremely powerful. I mean, at least I, I feel and believe that. Um, and yes, there's a lot more to Bonhoeffer's life. And I greatly encourage you all to check out his biography. Again, of course, I'll have a link to it in the show notes and description. Uh, but there's another article here that I want to read some quotes from Bonhoeffer. Since Father Mike was giving us or sharing with us some quotes of Bonhoeffer uh, in last week's episode, I want to continue on. And this is from a list of 20 inspiring Dietrich Bonhoeffer quotes. Now, I don't know if we'll be able to get through all 20 quotes because I want to kind of unpack these a little bit as we go, if you all don't mind. So the first quote is Bonhoeffer saying, God loves human beings. God loves the world, not an ideal human, but human beings as they are, not an ideal world, but the real world. What we find repulsive in their opposition to God, what we shrink back from with pain and hostility, this is for God the ground and of unfathomable love. So again, you know, going back to last week's episode where Father Mike was talking about um, us in trying for us to try to get away from judging others and to see and to love all beings where they are in their life. You know, if you see someone that you believe is going to uh, going astray, you know, try your level best to help them if they want help. But if they don't, as Father Mike said, then show them love and step back and let them be and love them for who they are and what they are. Now, it doesn't mean you have to approve of what they're doing or to inspire or encourage them to do what you believe is wrong. Uh, but we can still love someone without, you know, doing that. 
I hope that makes some sense. So as he was saying here, Bonhoeffer was saying, Father Mike was saying as well, is that God loves us. We don't have to be perfect for God to love us. God loves us where we are, as we are. Why? Because this is how it made us. God, the divine, the universe, the all that is all made us as we are. And it knows how we are evolving. It's helping us to evolve, whether we're aware of that or not. Uh, we are of the divine. I and mean, you've heard me say this a million times and you will hear me say it infinitely more is we are all from the divine and the divine is all in us. Uh, there's no separation, only in our mind. You know, that's why I said, you know, in season two is for us to work on taking our attention from our mind, living in our mind, to living and being in our heart and from our heart. If we do that, I mean, be like Jesus, you know, be like whatever faith you are, uh, whatever leader of your faith is. Um, be as that person. Show the love of that person. For example, Jesus showed unconditional love to all beings, regardless of who they were, especially if they were sinners, which ticked a lot of people off and probably still does today. But that's just how he is. And that's how we should be. So that's what Bonhoeffer was pointing out here. So the next Bonhoeffer quote is, Christianity preaches the infinite worth of that which is seemingly worthless and the infinite worthlessness of that which is seemingly so valued. So what I believe that means, and again, remember, these are all open to interpretation. These are just my views. You may decipher these <laughs> sayings as something completely different than me, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. That just means that Bonhoeffer's wisdom and spirit are communicating to you in a different way that it's communicating to me. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's awesome, as a matter of fact. So again, of course, Christianity puts um, a shines a light on what we deem to be um, minuscule, unimportant, um, such as prayer, um, communion, um, going to church, developing your faith, walking with Christ, walking as Christ, being the Holy Spirit, being, you know, something to someone, helping people, lifting people up. We don't put much worth or emphasis on that. And as it was saying, you know, also what he said was Christianity, you know, says that what we put high regard to is stuff that we shouldn't, such as my job, climbing the corporate ladder, making more money, buying more things, getting more stuff. Um, things of that nature that, you know, yes, we all have to earn a living and it's important that we take care of our families and ourselves, but within reason. And, you know, we need to make sure that we also allow time and make time, schedule time for our own faith and studies and practices and prayers, um, and again, as I always say, if you have a good church, go get involved, be everything that you can be in that church and help them continue to help others because they need your help. They desperately need your help, especially with the way things are going in the world and the way that especially Christianity has just fallen to the wayside that 
we have unfortunately so many beings that don't believe that don't have any faith that are called the nuns the nun movement they don't believe in anything they believe in nothing um so you know your church needs you your neighbors need you your friends need you your families need you um, and we need to put more emphasis on that than we do the mundane things you know the relative things the things of everyday life we need to put more focus or at least equal focus if you can come to a, a, an agreement a happy medium of a middle way or at least put equal focus emphasis on um your faith so that's just an amazing quote and it's just something that really can jolt you to your core it's like it's asking you he's asking you where where does your faith rank in your life is it like well when i can get to it it's uh every sunday every other sunday one sunday a month two sundays a year um you know what what is it what is your prayer life like how often do you pray um you know, these are all things that we need to focus on. Where is your study on your faith? Um, are you working on improving your faith, evolving in your faith? Or are you just accepting at your faith as it is or as you know, and you have no ambition or goal to evolve or learn more or go further? Okay, here's another powerful one. Well, these, these are all powerful. What am I saying? But here's another one you could use as a daily mantra or a daily focus for meditation and prayer. May we be enabled to say no to sin and yes to the sinner. Let me say that again. May we be enabled to say no to sin and yes to the sinner which means to say no to sin, but love the sinner again, as Jesus did so many times. And again, by loving someone that is, quote, a sinner or, you know, as Father Mike so perfectly points out in his show, the word sin in um, ancient Hebrew um, means the meaning of it is to miss the mark. So to not be on point or to not hit the target, that's what sin means. So we've misconstrued the word sin over many, many, what, two, over 2,000 years or more um, to what we have it now in our heads, which is incorrect. So to sin means to miss to mark. So, you know, what you set out to achieve was kind of a fail or a momentary fail because you can always correct that which you missed if you missed the mark um, so again to to love the sinner or to love the person that missed the mark is not agreeing or enabling or condoning the missing of the mark but it is to embrace them and love them uplift them heal them and encourage them to get beyond that to evolve from that in a more positive on mark on point way next quote judging others makes us blind whereas love is illuminating by judging others we blind ourselves to our own evil and to the grace which others are just as entitled to as we are holy moly that's that's another one i mean it, absolutely 
perfectly said that judging others makes us blind, you know, because when you judge someone, you're automatically shutting your doors, closing your windows, uh, you're going to your panic room and, and you're in lockdown mode to protect yourself, others, and your senses from this person. Um, whereas love is illuminating. It's, it's all encompassing. It's all embracing. You know, and again, he says, by judging others, we blind ourselves to our own evil. So, you know, as Jesus said, you know, and Father Mike reiterated last week, you know, pull the, you know, plank out of your own eye before you talk about or try to remove the twig from somebody else's eye. You know, we are not perfect and we will never be perfect. And we can't sit here and point fingers at this person and that person and say, he did this, she did that, they're this, they're that. I mean, it gets us nowhere. You know, we have to remember that these all beings are from the divine. You know, not just us, all beings. That divine is in all of us. We are all created from the divine and we are all part of the divine. Not one of us is more special uh, or higher up on the divine than, than the next person. We're all equal on the same playing field. It's just that our minds you know, and our egos kind of wrap around this and contort it and twist it into something. And it's not our fault, really. I mean, look at it. It's how we were raised. It's what our society teaches us. It's what the media shows us. So it's what the news and all the propaganda, no matter what country you live in, programs us day in and day out. I'm right. You're wrong. And I'm better than you and you're less than me. And it's this that is just total garbage that we've got to get out of these dualistic trains of thought. We've got to get out of this, you know, higher, lower, better, greater, holy, sinner, you know, these these dualities. We've got to get out of this. And, and the more you can do that, the more the divine shows through you, the more you're illuminated by, by the divine, the more mystical you become the more like the angels and saints you become as you whittle at this little by little. And you can do this. It's not, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Okay, here's another one. Nothing that we despise in other men is inherently absent from ourselves. We must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or don't do and more in the light of what they suffer. Again, let me read that. Nothing that we despise in other men is inherently absent from ourselves. We must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or don't do or and more in the light of what they suffer. Amazing. I mean, and it's just it's common common sense. It's it's basic common sense that we just don't get and so many people just don't get. And it's something that we all need to awaken to is that. You know, when we're judging and looking at people and we're seeing what is absent in them, it's also absent in us. And nine times out of ten, that's why we're pointing it out, is because we despise in others what is inherently wrong with us. Is You know, it's easier for us to point out somebody else's mistakes that we're doing ourselves and to point out our own. You know, and that we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do and or don't do according to our personal standards and more in the light of what they suffer. Because you don't know what led up to a person doing, saying or whatever they did. Um, you don't know what led up to their actions. You don't know what they've suffered through. You don't know. You can't 
possibly, even by saying walk a mile in their shoes, that would never do it. You actually have to live as that person lived to fully understand what they've been through and how they've, what all they've come through and they're going through. As we've seen in the Penny Whitbroad episode in season two, episode one, God was pointing that out to Penny of one of the things that he pointed out to her or it pointed out to her that was a, a, a thing where she went wrong is of, of judging a, a coworker. Um, if you guys haven't heard that one or not familiar with what I'm speaking of, go back and listen to that episode. It's really good. It gives you some personal reference of what God pointed out is not what we would have thought would have been pointed out. The next says, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. And again, Father Mike talked about that a little bit last week, that the mystic, the mystic is not only open to God uh, or the divine, but the mystic is ready for whatever the divine throws at them or whatever you are taken to do by the divine. It's a complete surrender, or as humans, as much as we can surrender, in allowing and listening to what the divine wants us to do and, and directs us. And we don't question it, you just do it. And I know that sounds completely absurd, but those of you who are on the mystic path, which I hope a lot of you are exploring that, and or will be exploring that as we continue on with talking about mystics and sharing the lives of mystic saints and angels and all of them um, is that we we have to allow our lives to be interrupted um, you know a lot of times well I should say all the time when no matter if something again here we go with with dualistic terms here good and bad so when something good happens in your life you don't mind that distraction you don't mind when the divine puts something good in your life or something that you label or, or claim to be good we don't mind when the divine brings something good into our life. We don't mind that in, in that, you know, you know, interruption in our daily lives and our relative lives. We, we welcome that. We welcome the good. Right. But what happens when something negative happens? What happens when uh, your health fails and you go to the emergency room and next thing you know, you're being admitted. You're in the hospital for a week being told that you have heart failure. Uh, to what extent they don't know. And then at the end of the week, you're transferred to another heart, uh, a heart specialist hospital where you're told you're going to undergo a bypass surgery, which they didn't know how many at that time, and possibly a mitral valve repair implant, which they weren't for sure at that time, and that you probably only have a 40% chance of surviving. Now, that is, <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty horrible news, but I'm now able to look at that and see the blessings that have come from that experience. And that's what it's all about, everyone, is, is us learning as we go through life moment by moment, because the now is all we ever have or all we ever will have, which is this moment, you know, that just keeps moment after moment after moment, which is now. And it's important that we, you know, look on these and analyze these moments uh, briefly and learn from them and then let them go and move on. Okay, here's another one. In a world where success is the measure and justification of all things, the figure of him who was sentenced and crucified remains a stranger and it is at best the object of pity. The figure of the crucified invalidates all thought that takes success for its standard. And that's pretty self-explanatory is that, you know, our world 
relatively is all about success and justifying people by, you know, the worldly standards. You know, the more the person who has the most toys and power and money wins, you know, and that's completely ridiculous. And it goes against Christianity altogether. And I'm sure regardless of what your faith or not faith, it goes against that as well. I know all faiths um, have that, you know, harm none to do good for others, to be as selfless as possible and to uplift, strengthen, encourage, give hope, heal those that you possibly can, as many as you can. But this world is, for the most part, so against it, especially if you're looking at politics or anything government related. It's so contrary to that. And here's one I really love. Bonhoeffer says, the church is the church only when it exists for others, not dominating, but helping and serving. It must tell people of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. And, you know, sadly, so many faiths and churches are teaching and preaching the contrary to that, that, you know, and as Father Mike pointed out so well last week that in that show, you know, you can't really fault the Christian churches or the Catholic Church for doing this because to do this, they would lose complete control that they fought for 2000 years to obtain. And, you know, that which we fear is what we hate. And they fear people uh, doing things on their own, growing on their own, thinking for themselves, praying on their own, uh, becoming mystics. You know, as I said in last week's show, the it's not just the Roman Catholic churches, but a lot of faiths have this thing to where, you know, whatever you would label or call a saint, that they hate them while they're alive, but they love them and uh, put them on a pedestal as soon as they die. Why? Because... When that saint or angel is dead, according to our relative standards, um, when they're physically gone, then you have control over what narrative you spin and what you share and how you share it and how you allow others to um, to respond or interact with that person. You know, for example, again, not picking on Roman Catholics, just going based on my background um, and upbringing and, and history, is that, you know, you can't pray to anyone in the Roman Catholic uh, faith for intercession until they are first considered blessed, beatified by the church. It is against the catechism, against the church rules to pray to anyone. So say you have a, a grandfather like I had who was amazing, just beyond mind-blowing um and you wanted to pray to him for intercession or i wanted to pray to my grandfather for intercession for help you know saying hey you're you're there on that side you're closer than i am can you please you know help me with this or put in a word for me for that um according to the roman catholic faith it, that's that's a sin i am not permitted to do that until my grandfather is beatified you know, once he's beatified, then I can do that. It's legal. And that's, again, that's what it's getting to the point here. And again, I'm not pointing out or picking on the Roman Catholic faith. So many other faiths do it as well. 
Okay, let me do two more here and then we'll wrap up. And there's so, there's several more and I will have a link to these quotes and I you know strongly urge everyone to please check these out. It's as you're seeing this this is getting us into what Bonhoeffer is and what he was trying to teach and preach and share. Okay, he says, "Seek God, not happiness." This is the fundamental rule of all meditation. If you seek God alone or the divine, again, whatever you want to label that which can't be labeled, you will gain happiness. That is its promise. So again, you know, again, getting past dualities, good, bad, happiness, sorrow or suffering. Um, if you just seek the divine, seek the divine commune with the divine in your meditation right that's going to connect you with the divine and allow well, I shouldn't say connect you because you're already connected you can't sever like it's going to awaken you to the divine and as Jesus taught the more you are awakened to the divine the more the divine will awaken in you and through you so the more energy the divine will give you and through you the more divine energy will flow through you, the more you awaken and the more you do that. So you will get happiness just from that. So happiness shouldn't be your goal. Awakening to the divine, communion with the divine should be your goal. Okay, here's the last one, that, not the last one of those quotes, but the last one I'll be sharing. We pray for big things and forget to give thanks for the ordinary, small, and yet really not small gifts. How can God or the divine entrust great things to one who will not thankfully receive from him the little things? And that is literally mind blowing on many levels. If you break that down and meditate on that or pray on that again, this gets into the prayer, um, you know, the drive through or dine in episode from season two. Um, how often is our prayer one way? You know, how often is our prayer, you know, conditional that, you know, I want or I need. It's not a two way street. It's not a two way communication or communion with the divine. We're just asking and running because I don't have time. You know, I'm I'm on a, I'm on a strict. You're lucky. I'm telling you, I'm asking this now. You're lucky. I've made time to ask. I need this. Give me this. Thank you. Bye. And not being thankful as we learned in the Solanus. Uh, Blessed Solanus Casey show back in season two. If you guys haven't heard that one yet, go back and listen to it. Such an amazing show, such an amazing being. Uh, Blessed Father Solanus Casey was who always encouraged people that came to him asking for his intercession and for his help and for healing and for all kinds of prayers to be answered. He would always say, thank God first. Thank the divine first. Before these prayers are even fulfilled, thank the divine for hearing your prayer and thank them ahead of time for answering that prayer. You know, in a metaphysical sense, that's putting out that energy by telling the universe, please give me this, bless me with this, heal me with this, and thank you. Thank you for blessing me with this. Also, this quote gets into how we don't pay attention to the common every moment blessings that we have, such as 
this next breath that we're taking and how precious that breath is. It's a breath not like any other breath. Just like this moment is not like any other moment. Here, I'm going to dive deep, folks. Hang on to your chairs. This breath that we are just taking and exhaling is a breath that we've never taken before and we will never take again. Just like this moment, right here, right now, this space that we're sharing together is a space that we've never shared before nor will we ever share again. And I don't say that or bring attention to that to upset or alarm or freak anybody out because it can have that effect at first. But I say it as for everyone to pay more attention, be more aware of every moment because we have this thing in our mentality, in our minds, um, because it's human to think that every moment is every moment. And it's just if I put something on my calendar or on a calendar on a wall calendar, if you all are old fashioned and have that, or if I put it in my phone as an appointment or say I make an appointment with my doctor for a month from now, that I'm going to be here for that moment. It's in a book. It's written down. It's scheduled. It's an appointment. It's in a computer. It's going to happen. There are absolutely no guarantees or promises that that will come to be, that I will be here to go to that appointment or that something might happen at that office and that appointment might be canceled. You know, and that brings awareness, which is all about is bringing awareness back to now to the present and not just to ourselves. It goes so far beyond that. It brings awareness to the divine that's in us, that's in everyone. You know, when you get up and you see your children or child, whether you have human children or fur babies, um, who's to say this won't be the last time you'll see them? The last time that you'll get to hug and kiss them? To say that something might happen to you? To say that something might happen to them? You know, my family and I had such... An amazing fur baby. Her name was Achala. We were so blessed to have her for 16 years. And funny enough, 16 years. In 2016, November 1st, she passed from this lifetime and left such a gaping hole in our lives that we still feel it today and we still miss her today. But we were very blessed that we knew Achala was passing a week before she passed. And we were able to become very aware of Achala in those moments of that week that this would be, in this physical form, our last moments with her. And to really savor, enjoy, love, cherish every single moment that we possibly could with her. So much so that these are moments that are absolutely priceless. Now, those of you who have lost loved ones and knew that these loved ones were passing, you had that luxury of knowing and were able to make amends, peace, and share your love 
with these individuals before they passed. Now, so many of us, we don't get that opportunity. We don't, we don't get that blessing. You know, that unfortunately, um, so many people are taken from us unexpectedly, quite tragically, um, alarmingly. Um, well, for me, um, one that comes to mind was you know, my best friend growing up. You know, I talked to him quite a bit. You know, he had moved away from the area. He had moved to California. He's doing great, having a great life. Just got remarried. I uh, had his whole life ahead of him. He had a rough life. And, you know, he, from, you know, my perspective, you know, he made a lot of wrong turns, but he was turning his life around. He really was. He's becoming aware. Uh, he was connecting with the divine. He was doing a lot of meditation. In fact, He's the one that taught me meditation back when I was eight years old. Um, and I talked to him every week. He would call and we'd talk. And then I got a call a week after I spoke with him from his previous wife saying that he passed away, that he had a massive heart attack and died. My wife had a similar experience. Um, her near and dearest best friend that she grew up with was doing great, had a lot of plans. Had a lot of things she was working on in life to achieve. She was moving like a freight train towards making those things happen. To finally being truly happy uh, in her life and with her life. And she went out with her friends. and I should say she went out with her daughter, uh, who was a teenager at the time. And her daughter's friends. And you know a friend was driving, a teenager was driving a car. They had a wonderful day. They went to a fair and, and had a great time. And on the way home, a light was changing, changing to yellow. And the young man thought he could make the light. So as he took the light, another car ran the light and hit them on her side. And she was killed instantly. Her daughter survived. And, um, you know, she lives with those memories each and every moment of each and every day. So, again, I'm pointing out here not to take the show in a downward spiral <laughs> or make everybody depressed and sad. But on the contrary, I'm pointing out the importance of us waking up and realizing the importance of each and every moment, each and every now. And that's something Bonhoeffer was aware of. He's showing us in his quotes, in his teachings with us, how aware he was of his moments being fleeting in this lifetime and what was important for his life and what's important for our lives. Now, we don't have to go out and be martyrs to achieve something in his lifetime. I firmly believe you don't have to do that, folks. As Father Mike said last week, and I, I definitely agree with and, and sound the drum on this infinitely, is that little steps, little things, time after time, little by little, you make great strides with little steps. You know, you don't realize the tidal waves that are made by the droplets of water you drop into the infinite ocean, which is your life. You don't realize the effect that you have on people and how that ripple turns into a wave, turns into a tidal wave, then turns into a tsunami of greatness, 
of great and holy things, again, regardless of what your faith is or isn't. Anyway, I hope that makes some sense to all of you. If it doesn't, hey, I'm always here for you, always. And I'll have information here in just a moment on how you can contact me and we can talk some more. Okay, so let's close with a prayer. And this is from me. This isn't from any any quotation. I'm going to riff. I'm just going to wing it, okay? Just let the Spirit flow and we'll go with the Spirit. How about that? Divine, holy universe, the I am that is all, that which is beyond labels, be with each and every one of us. Well, you are with each and every one of us. Awaken us to know and feel, especially feel you with us and in us and in and with others as well. Divine, please help us to see the preciousness and gift of each and every moment of how each breath is such an immense blessing that we so often take these moments for granted and that we so often think that these moments will just go on forever because that's our culture and our background and upbringing conditioning. Help us, Divine, to realize and to awaken to the fact that these moments are moments, that each one is so very precious, one that we've never lived before, nor will we ever live again. Awaken us so that we can be aware of these moments and not just our moments. We don't own these moments. Awaken us to that. And that these moments are for everything and everyone. And help us to see beyond our judgments. Help us to stop judging others and to see the suffering in others and to have empathy and compassion, great love for all beings and to do all that we can to help them. But of course, divine, please, first of all, help us to awaken to ourselves, to love ourselves, to not beat ourselves up anymore, to condemn ourselves, to hate ourselves. Heal us, divine. Oh, divine, please heal us and help us so that we can heal and help others. Amen. I so hope and pray that you have enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you've been searching for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast, and more here with us. Don't be a stranger. Come around anytime, all the time. We now have an Amazon.com wish list for the show for anyone who would like to make an offering. Um, a link can always be found in the show notes and show description. Now, I know some people like to do that, that, that helps them feel as you know they're contributing and doing something. And this is the best way, because some people have asked me about setting up a Patreon, and I'm completely against 
that I don't want to accept any kind of money for anything I'm doing here. Jesus didn't do it. Buddha didn't do it. I didn't do it before when I taught uh, Buddhism and Eastern philosophy for four years. Um, but I will accept books. So I do have a list uh, on that wish list for the show that you can, if you feel compelled to and you have the means, please don't take from your grocery money or your bill money or from just life money. If you have it and you want to make an offering, then go to the wish list and do so. I would be beyond grateful and appreciative. And by purchasing books and sending them to me, what you're doing is you're helping me educate myself so I can then pass that education on to all of you. And that also sparks and creates and inspires more and more shows. So it's a gift that keeps giving that's never ending. I'm always open to questions and suggestions. Um, as I always say, there's it's always like crickets in my mailbox. <laughs> I don't hear much from anybody, but you know, unless it's family, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I know there are so, so many of you all over the world that are listening, and I completely understand and I respect your privacy, and I respect that you're quiet. Um, and but I do want you all to know that I'm here for you all the time. And uh, again, speaking of suggestions, I mean. I know there are so many amazing angels and saints, past and present, in your community, in your country. Could even be you that the world doesn't know about, but by gosh, we should know about. Um, could be some that have come and gone that are fading from memories and hearts. And we tend to you know, shine the light on a lot of those here in the show. And that's kind of one of the goals of this show is to make sure these beings stay alive because they are such amazing, truly amazing. Um, it, it's tragic for someone, anyone really, to be their memory to be lost, uh, their life to be lost. And we don't want that. So again, please, please, please feel free to contact me, share these people with me, even if it's you. Please get with me, share with me so I can share with the world. Remember, you don't have to be alone on your spiritual journey. Again, I'm always here for all of you. I'm always available to help guide, uh, offer advice. Uh, you can always email me directly or contact me through the website. My services are ever growing and expanding as the spirit takes me and as you all need. And the cost of these services or all services I provide is absolutely zero. Absolutely free. I'm here for you guys. Next is prayers. Uh, you guys always hear me say this and you always will. I love to pray and so do listeners of the show. So please let us pray for you. So all of these services, how do you make it happen? by contacting me. And how can you do that? There's two ways you can do that. First, you can email me directly at faithandmorepodcast, all one word, faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. And the second way is through the website. There's a contact button on the website where you can email me or you can fill out the prayer request form at the bottom of the webpage. 
You can also use that form for also asking for help, for guidance, for suggestions, for advice. Use that as well. It's a, it's a catch-all form. Use it as you need it. So in order to find the website, you go to Faith and More Podcast. Again, all one word, faithandmorepodcast.wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com slash my dash site, S-I-T-E. And there's always links to my contact information, email, and the website in all of our show notes and show descriptions. So, until next week, have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you is in my heart and prayers. Bless you.